0: To the Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity segment, I'm excited to welcome program to Cameron Mannheim. Cameron, what's going on? Thanks for stopping by. And I know you're excited about this guest starring role uh, on Law & Order, especially this is the 21st season. Can you believe it?
1: Um, you asked me what's going on. No, no big deal. Just uh, just on Law & Order, you know, 21st season. It's so exciting for me. Um, I did Law & Order. 30 years ago, I did a couple of episodes. It was always something very dear to my heart. And then I was just minding my own business in Los Angeles. And I get a call from the Dick Wolf universe saying, do you want to come and play with us and be on our show? So I came in December and I've been here ever since and just making, you know, stories and um, hoping, hoping to delight audiences with our show, you know? Exactly.
0: Great. Exactly. Let's talk about specifically enough, you know, 21st season, your character. And this again, this case coming up on Thursday really speaks to you, doesn't, it? especially to your character from back in the, the history of when you were on Law and Order before.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting, true quote. Clo- well, based on a true story, inspired by a true story. Of uh, someone who is serving time in jail right now. Um, and uh, she, Kate Dixon, Lieutenant Kate Dixon, who I play, she had had a case many years ago that she was unable to solve. And she just had to chalk it up as an overdose and not as a murder. And it haunted her. And uh, a new case comes through, Precinct 27. And she sees a lot of similarities. Um, and her detectives don't understand why she is so vehement about going after this person. There's not a lot of evidence to go after, but she just knows. And so she goes after it like she hasn't gone after anything before. And I got to really, you know, pull all my punches. And it's uh, it's really disturbing and kind of awful, but, uh, you know, hopefully they get to the bottom of it and you'll have to watch to find out.
0: You have to watch to find out. That's a point. That's such a great point. But also the point is what makes law and orders so special is the fact that these cases are real, that, that there was a case similar to that. And, uh, and people just, sometimes we don't see it on the news. Unless we go to local, we're talking about only a few things and we don't know about the things that really could affect us more, especially in our communities.
1: I mean, that's, that's really a good point. You know, we see the, the the top headlines, you know, the sexual abuse and, but you don't see all of the little things that are happening in our town. And uh, that's why law and order is so amazing because it is really trying to tell the story of just, you know, the regular people in our lives. And another thing that I love so much about how law and order is so respectful about how they handle these cases is that TV is really the principal driver of our culture. You know, viewers are heavily influenced by how these institutions are portrayed on TV. Everything I ever learned about law was from the practice or law and order. So we take a very serious approach at getting it right, you know, following these cases as they would be followed. We do it quickly and in a short amount of time. Sometimes these cases last for years and we do it in 44 minutes but we at least are trying to be true to the story and uh you know make sure that we're we're bringing justice the way it should be brought
0: exactly bringing justice making sure you're doing the way you need to do it and everyone needs to tune in thursday april 14th at 8 p.m eastern only on nbc law and order i appreciate it Cameron, for you stopping by and i tell you what a great an experience that you never know to get to be back on lawn or it's got to be cool and i know you're excited about your fans seeing you again on thursday so thanks again for stopping by
1: thank you so much and thanks for tuning in you're we welcome love you guys
0: all right you're listening and watching the neil haley show and we'll be back in just a moment we're back to the neil haley show here on the caregiver dave celebrity Segment. i i'm excited to welcome to the caregiver dave and the Sandy dave what's going on how are you how you
2: doing i'm doing good can't wait to get to uh, it's, uh, Philadelphia is what I'm going.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're not going to Pittsburgh. You're going to Philadelphia. We're <laughs> talk about why Philadelphia. I love Pittsburgh, and you know why because I'm a Pittsburgh guy. And, and oh. yesterday, we're excited to talk with her. She's going to have some really good, interesting conversation. I'm excited to welcome the program actress Florencia Lozano. You know her from Narcos and One Life to Live, and we're going to talk about life after you. Valencia thanks for coming by. How are
3: you? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm great.
0: All right. So let's talk about it. Did you always want to be an actress, Gordon? Was that something you always dreamed of?
3: Yes. Yeah, I remember being on stage in third grade and we were doing a musical of The Emperor's New Clothes. I was the head villain. And I remember the feeling of um, applause when the audience applauded us at the end, feeling like this light coming into my body being like, I need this adoration. like I, it's just that's uh, shameful perhaps, but, uh, but I, I really love um, I love performing and getting that love from the audience. I was also the youngest of three daughters and it felt like the only stage was the only place where I could just um, <laughs> yeah. sort of express myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I was with my sisters for airtime. I, I was younger, so I didn't know as much. I wasn't as fast, you know, I wasn't as um, uh, grown up. So I felt like the only place I really had to shine was was on stage.
0: And, and you had to shine in front of your family too. So that's the funny thing. You you had to figure out ways of uh, gaining attention being the youngest. Yes. And even though you do get a lot of attention as a youngest, you still want more and you figure out ways of doing
3: it, right? Yeah, totally. And I was also kind of the, the clown in my family, like the one who was trying to just make everybody take things a little less seriously. Um, you know, my parents are immigrants, um, didn't have a lot of money growing up and they were, they were really, you know, struggling to give us a better life. So they were, you know, kind of serious and, um, and I just loved to see them smile. So I would entertain, you know, That's
0: good.
3: So Florencia.
2: Um, did your parents know that you had this gift and were very supportive? And did your siblings also have the gift or, or were they jealous of you? I mean, how, what was the family dynamic going on when it first was evident that you were going to go in this direction?
3: My parents were really supportive. Um, and I, I realize now, you know, so many of my friends didn't have that. And, and that's that's a huge thing to have parents. You know, my dad, uh, my dad was an architect and he, he would always say, you know, do what you love. Um, and that, I took it for granted at the time, you know, but now I really am so grateful that he wanted, he pointed us in the direction of what we love to do.
4: Um,
3: cool. My sisters are, are not uh, in in my field. Um, one is a pediatrician um, who specializes in public health, uh, and the other works for um, the DA. So uh, she's a prosecutor. Um, so very, very different um, uh, career choices. Um, and they were always um, supportive of me um, you know my, my the middle sister i was only a year and a half younger than her and i think she was you know i was always very kind of like clinging to her and wanting to be in her shadow and she was my big sister and i kind of worshipped her and she was like oh god what a pain in the ass this one you know what i mean she wanted her independence and but um yeah but they 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 always protected me you know like older sisters do
2: sure how did uh I don't know where Neil went. I can't see him. (laughs) You see me, Dave? Oh, there you go.
3: Go ahead, Dave. I'm
2: going to go to my
0: next question for Florencia. Uh, You know, when you think about specifically enough, what age did you decide this is going to be for you? So you always wanted to, what age did you decide, okay, acting is what I want to do, and I'm going to go full force. This is going to be what my career is.
3: I can't ever remembering, uh, remembering a time where I didn't know that this was what I was gonna do. I just, um, before I, I I don't even know how old I was. You know, that commercial, that Angélie commercial with the woman with the dishwashing gloves? I can bring home the bacon, Angélie. I don't know if you guys remember this, but she was okay. stripped off with dishwashing gloves. Okay. yeah. Right, and never let, I, I, I had no idea what that meant, but I performed, I would perform that for my, you know for my um my parents dinner guests i can't believe they let me do that i must have been like 5 you know and um i I'm a woman. Uh, that was like 5
0: <laughs> oh that, that's that's <laughs> <laughs> so you never, so you did it. So when did you take the break? This is gonna be. Your, so you said you knew all of your life you wanted to do. <laughs> when did you take the break? Did you move to Hollywood? What was the whole process? To LA or how did that go?
3: I, you know, um, so what? A big thing with my parents was education. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were both teachers um, for a while. Uh, My mom taught Spanish for like 40 years. My dad taught architecture and then he became he had his own office. But um, they were really, really adamant about us getting an education. And so, um, you know, even though I knew I was going to be an actor um, and I I danced for a while, I was uh, I I took ballet for a long time. So for a while there, I, I thought, you know, I knew I wanted to be on stage, but I thought maybe I would be a ballerina. Um, But that proved to be like, you know, at a certain age, you have to decide that that's all you're going to do. And I, um, I wanted my world to be a bit bigger than that. Um, So I stopped dancing and um, finished high school. And then I went to college and knowing I would be an actor, I, um, I, you know, I majored in literature, um, and then went to New York. Uh, I wanted, you know, I wanted to have something to bring to my acting. So I always loved reading, um, and in some ways, like when you do a play, um, it's a lot like English class. Like you, you sit around and you talk about the play. You talk about the themes of the play. You talk about the characters. You, you know, the study of stories is really. Um, Akin to to what we do as actors, it's like, who are these people? What happened in their lives? It's 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 this kind of psychology, history. You get to really dabble in all of those arenas, and um, and so there is an intellectual sort of, uh, if not academic, um, element to it. But then there's also you know a really physical uh, dimension to acting where you're embodying someone else you're walking like that person you're internalized person and i you know i i was always drawn to imagining what it is to be someone other than myself
0: and that's yeah, that's that's the amazing thing dave uh what, what thoughts next question yeah
2: i'm curious um how the last couple of years affected your career you know the covid and lockdown and mass and vaccinations all that stuff
3: um, yeah it was um i mean you know it, it's amazing how um flexible uh i find theater people to be because Of course, theaters were dead, right? Um, I mean, what we do is literally um, get in a room with other people and tell stories, you know, share the same air. So um, it was amazing how, you know, we adapted. And people did radio plays. I did a podcast um, through the public theater. We did Romeo and Juliet in Spanish and English online. We did a, you know, recorded version of it. Actually, Lupita Nyong'o played Juliet. I played her mom, so we got to do all of this incredible stuff um, that was, you know, sort of a hybrid of theater with um, with Zoom. Really, um, I recorded a play all on Zoom, where they literally sent all the actors green screens. Like I set up a green screen in my living room and then the theater put in the background afterwards. So it's kind of amazing to see how theater people just adapted. Um, TV and film was uh, a little different. Um, I actually ended up getting a, a Netflix show, shooting a Netflix show in Vancouver last summer. So when things looked to be getting a little better before Omicron, I went to Vancouver. I had to quarantine there for two weeks, um, then get tested all the time. It was a a, a big strain on production, you know, because film and TV production is already such a labyrinth of different um, schedules and just logistics. So the people in production had this added task of having to test us all and I felt I felt really bad for them I mean I just was like on top of everything else now they have to worry about the plague you know um but they did it you know and um uh it was great to shoot this this show in Vancouver um then I came and did an episode of Bull uh on uh CBS and we shot that in Brooklyn and that was the same thing you know lots of covid testing Um, so I was just, I was really impressed by how my community like rose to the occasion and was like, we're going to do this hell or high water and we're going to figure out how.
0: And that's the thing. And I was uh, also checking out, you know, how to monitor and adjust because you were, you started in the soap operas, your career. So really tell how intense it is to shoot seasons for that because it's everyday type of thing. And you constantly have to be on the go. You have to monitor and adjust. You don't have time to do your lines. So probably that's why you're always needed to be in some sort of thing because you know how to monitor and adjust when you audition and everything because of what you dealt with. Theater and soap operas, I think, are the best probably training-based places for actors. Wouldn't you agree? To really have to learn to go with the flow. Because that's what directors are looking for. That's what producers are looking for when they're looking for a cast.
3: I always say like um, one of the skills that um, soaps gave me was just getting up to bat, like get up, just get up and start hitting like, you know, you have to you have to do it quickly. And it taught me that. It taught me like make a choice and just start start swinging. No, start swinging at the balls and and because you have to you have to go go. We have to tape this show a whole show in one day. And so now, when I you know when I did that episode and we do eight pages a day, and people are you know rightfully you know kind of anxious about oh that's a lot of material. After having done, you know, a whole show in one day, I'm sort of like, we can do this. You can do it, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely, you, you can do it, that's for sure. And, and that's where you've developed that skill set to now. what we're going to talk about today. Because you, through that experience, of being on all these amazing shows and, and experiences, now you're starring in life after you. And uh, talk a little bit about that and how you're involved in this—not just acting, but how you, this is really a big deal for you, isn't it?
3: I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's a big deal <laughs> in terms of yes, for me personally, and it's also um, unfortunately, you know, it's such a huge problem right now. Sure. Uh, what the movie addresses is this uh, opioid epidemic um that has gotten so much worse since you know the story was inspired by the death of danny latterman uh in 2014 and it's now 2022 and unfortunately the story is more than ever um the batch of of heroin that danny od would on was laced with fentanyl and um fentanyl is uh so uh ubiquitous now in all kinds of street drugs and um what our movie is really trying to do is ring that alarm bell and tell kids listen the drugs that are out there now are different than the drugs our generation used right um there is poison in it, um, that may kill you after one use, um, and and that is something that uh, I think everyone who made the movie, I know everyone who made the movie is is really passionate about getting that word out and starting that conversation. Um, Charlene Giannetti, one of the producers on the show, she. Um, is a journalist, and she interviewed Linda Latterman, who is Danny's mother. And um, after Danny OD'd, and Linda and her husband Tito found their son, a 19, their 19-year-old son, in their home, in his room, after he had OD'd. Um, and about a month after that happened, um, she wrote a post a Facebook post in the middle of the night uh, because she didn't know what else to do every time she closed her eyes she would see her son's face um when the way she the way she saw his the way he looked when when she found him and so she wrote this post and it went viral and so Linda ended up writing a, a short short book called life after you what your death from drugs leaves behind. And it really is meant to scare the crap out of kids. Um, It's, you know, it's, it's meant to say, Look, this is what happens, literally, your sister and your brother need to write your obituary, you know, these, these are the things that will happen to your family. Um, And Charlene, after interviewing Linda came to me, she had known my work as an actress from TV. And she said, I want you to play Linda. I, I know nothing about film, film production or screenplay writing, but we have to tell this story um, as a film so that more people hear it. And I don't know what got into me. Well, I do. I met Linda. And, and after hearing her talk, I, I, I was very inspired by how she said that she continued to talk to her son um and that made me think well what if we told the story in a more um less traditional way less like well this happened and then this happened but more emotionally what was the mother what was linda's journey in terms of um letting her son go she was in such complete and utter shock she was so uh uh at a loss when he died she she really had no idea what he was up to so this film is uh is telling the story of her att- her trying to come to terms with how could this have happened um so in the movie um she continues to talk to danny um and he continues to be presence in the film um so I asked Charlene, I said, can I write this screenplay? Can I try to write this screenplay? I had, I had never written a screenplay before. Um, I had written plays, um, short stories, but um, yeah. So I started writing it um, with the woman who ended up directing it, um, Sarah Schwab. We co-wrote it um, and, and shot it right before the pandemic.
2: Um, yeah.
0: It's powerful, Dave, isn't
2: it? Yeah. You know, um, it takes a lot of trust because they're just going to think that uh, you're just trying to scare me, you know, and uh, um, and I agree. You need some kind of creative, new, never done before way of communicating. And, you know, Hollywood is a creative entity. Uh, if anyone came up with one, they can.
3: Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, writing the the screenplay. Wow, that was really going into the woods and uh, trying many different avenues. We 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 went off in many different directions um, to try to find the right way. Really, as as you were just saying, the question is, how do we get through to kids? How do we penetrate that mm-hmm. that divide, right between um because we were all kids we remember how it was where you know you, there's this code there's this code of you know you don't tell the adults no. um no. and how do we um try different tactics to try to warn um warn them um without alienating them without pushing them too far away
0: oh, And that's what you're doing is such a powerful thing. And I remember watching American greed with this guy that was doing it on the dark web selling opioids, but they were laced with fentanyl and different. He didn't care about the specific drug. And, you know, it was really dangerous. So, you know, people think, Hey, I'm just getting something. It's gonna be a painkiller. I can drink with alcohol. Everything's gonna be fine. And they're getting it from the dark web and that dark web could lead to an overdose. Or, you know, buying it on the streets. You just never know. And that's why you gotta be careful with any of this stuff because we all know opioids are addictive, but add fentanyl to the mix and it's a, deadly, it's a deadly, it can it, sometimes it can make you sick, sometimes it could be nothing happens, but another person, they're dead. And it doesn't matter what age or whatever situation. I'm glad you're bringing light to this because the news doesn't want to bring light to this stuff. They talk about the opioid addiction, but they don't talk about the drug addiction and the process and how many things are laced with fentanyl, even marijuana. You just don't know. You got to be careful. And I'm glad you're bringing this movie out for sure.
2: Yeah, Yeah, without getting political, you know, it all comes across our southern border and nobody seems to want to do anything about it.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's Dave's comment. And he did get full. Okay, so let's go right now to the care. care, uh, Dave, your question uh, regarding caregiving.
2: Yeah, so my wife 25 years ago, we had a, we're married for 47 years, about halfway through. She complained oh. a headache that she had for like four days and she was going to go to the doctor, but then, uh, you know, it turned into a stroke. She lost her speech, became paralyzed. Um, and we agreed for the last, uh, for the next two years, I should say. And we decided that, hey, you know, life hands you lemons, turned into lemonade. And so we reinvented ourselves and and she decided to do everything she did before. She was very talented across between Martha Stewart and Wonder Woman and, um, you know, a gourmet cook, an interior decorator, a wedding coordinator, et cetera. So she's doing it all with one arm and one leg tied behind her back and duct tape over her mouth in essence because she can't speak verbally. And she just makes all us normal people look like whiners and complainers. So I go around, the world and the country speaking on uh, stages and uh, been on 52 TV shows, just helping people uh, to survive. Because 30% of caregivers die before their loved ones do. My question to you is uh, how has caregiving touched your life or do you fear that it will one day? Um,
3: It's a really good question. my, my father actually um, fell uh, this December and um, it caused this whole spiral of events um, that all, knock on wood, ended up well. But speaking of my sisters, my sisters and I came together to figure out how to support him. Um, I ended up going to be with him. He had broken his hip and Do you know, it was the best Christmas of my life, spending that time in my dad's um, uh, nursing facility. He was in a rehab facility. Uh, They were in lockdown because of COVID. It was, you know, but my dad was so vulnerable. He was so open. He, you know, I I felt like I got to take care of him. And that was a gift, which I... I never, I never expected that. I I was so surprised that like, it was a gift to be able to, to be physically intimate with him in a way I I never had been before. Um, It was, it was, it was a lot and you only imagine what it is uh, long-term to do that with someone. Um, you know, I got him on a plane, my boyfriend and I got him on a plane um uh to Seattle, and now he's at uh, in Seattle, um, where my my other sister lives, and she's really taking care of him now. Um, but thank God that there's three of us who can um uh, we all have different abilities too, and and so we can trade off like you do this and I'll do this, and having a network of support is a huge plus um but it really made me grateful for the things that i took for granted before um and um and i remain grateful (laughs) maybe you can
2: send your sister to our online support center caregiverdave.com it's got of gifts you know i've written books i've got podcasts i've got videos mm-hmm. and,
0: and you've you got a really popular facebook page yeah,
2: 34,000, people, uh, facebook yeah, you know facebook
0: followers really engaged group check it out now uh where can we find the film and stuff and watch it the, i know there's youtube right now for the preview when's when's it coming out so people can
3: actually is available for um pre- Purchase, is that what it's called? I think so. On uh, Apple, Apple iTunes. um, One of the producers just emailed me about this because I asked him that very thing. Um, He told me it's gonna be in 100% of uh, households. Um, So you can pre-order it on Apple TV, iTunes. Um, I think it's on pay-per-view. Um, basically if you have cable TV you can um, rent it
0: that's great.
3: and then it'll be streaming in like three months it'll be streaming I believe on Netflix Hulu all of those
0: oh that's fantastic well congratulations with the work but you're doing such great work any other projects going on right now you're saying busy. you said you're filming Netflix last year and different things can, anything you can tell us about a
3: project coming up for you so the the netflix show that i shot in vancouver is called keep breathing okay. keep breathing it's a netflix show that should come out in like august i think um and it's a lot of fun it's All a right. lot of fun
0: any other projects or that's pretty much it right now or you're staying busy i'm sure
3: i'm staying busy i also just recorded a uh, a radio play another radio play uh called Kisses Through the Glass and it will be available uh, on the Two Rivers Theater Company website. Okay. That's something else.
0: You really have a good voice so I can tell how you're good for that radio. I could see listening to you read to me. So the way just you you have that voice I can tell. All right. So appreciate it. Where can we follow you on social media? Best place to connect with you on social. Where can we go? Where are you?
3: I have an Instagram, which is all lowercase. It's my name with an underscore between the first and last. So lowercase Florencia underscore Lozano, lowercase.
0: Excellent. And for those Narco fans, go back and check her out when she was Narcos and different things. And yeah, I was reading some of the places. Some Your Wikipedia is pretty impressive. So continued success in everything you're doing. And this project, I definitely... Want to learn more and hear more what's going on. This is a tremendous project. We got to let people know the dangers of taking things that, guess what, are not coming from huh, the right sources because it could be your last chance of life. So I appreciate you stopping by.
3: Of course. Thank you guys so much.
0: All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. All right. That was the Caregiver Day Celebrity segment here on the Neil Haley Show for Television Radio. Take care, guys. We're back to Neil Haley show and I just enjoy talking to different people and authors, but also somebody that, you know, when I read something, I'm like, man, this is the first time I've interviewed somebody that wants to create a serious movement. It's not just a Facebook group. It's not a community that's, you know, it's something much more. And I'm excited to welcome the program. Author Rudy Boy, Rudy Poe, author of Embracing Change, how are embracing change? How are you, Rudy? What's going on? And you're going to create your own
4: country. That's my plan. That's my plan. It's epic. It's epic, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to do it. You know, I mean, a lot of people write books, right. Uh, But not too many people try to start countries. So it's going to be a journey and I'm going to kind of like document it as I go and, and just, you know, have fun with it. It's really, it's really about fun and philanthropy, you know? So, I want to get together a group of people and who are kind of like-minded to me who like all these things like the future and and making the world a better place and all that and 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 just kind of have fun with it and take it and hopefully put our resources together and do things that are good for themselves for their communities and for the world in general okay so creating your own country
0: it's like you know starting your own business it's it's a process so if you were going to you know, go to the bank and say, I need a loan to create a country. What do you think they'd say to you?
4: <laughs> I think they'd say that that I'm crazy, but, um, you know, a country's kind of like it's, it's, uh, you know, people have done it before there, there. I found a book that inspired me. It was called micro nations and people have done this before. They've created countries in their own apartments. They've created countries on little, uh, um, oil rigs in the North Atlantic and, and and all kinds of fun little things so it's in a way it's a marketing thing but it's just a way to to get people's attention and to talk about what it is that i want to do and have fun doing it
0: create your. own. i'm still thinking i'm still you know it's going to scratch my head about creating your own country because i mean so you give me some examples you've read about before we talk about your country of people who created countries out of their apartment explain that
4: well there was one one guy king king danny the first created a country called lovely. And he actually talked the BBC into making a whole six part documentary series out of it. So that was one thing that inspired me. Um, But there's there was a a group of people that took over a, uh, a, uh, an old World War II oil rig in the north and created a pirate radio station out of it. And they called it their own country. And it's just there's a lot of crazy, wacky stories of people, people doing this kind of thing. Um, But now in the world, I I love all things future. So now that we're embarking on something called the metaverse and blockchain and, um, you know, crypto and all that, I can incorporate all that into my country as my little startup country. So I can have my own currency. I can have proof of all the good that we do. You know, it's like a a lot of times when there's a nonprofit, people question, oh, well, did. Did they actually how how much how far did my money go did it really go towards the right things that kind of that kind of idea right well if i incorporate the whole idea of blockchain i don't know how many of your viewers know about blockchain but you know it's basically a permanent ledger of everything that happened so there would be proof a record proof of everything that we did for better or worse so we better stay on the better side right oh absolutely i mean
0: you're so you're a futurist I already can tell if you t- would have taken your five talents, futurist has to be one of them, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah according to Gallup, I have five talents. My number one is ideation, and also communication, and achiever, and competitor, and then another one, strategist. And if I'm missing them all, I think I, I hit every one of them. But the thing is, for you, no and no doubt about looking at yours, futurist has to be one of them, right?
4: Yeah. I mean, I love I love all things future. I belong to future groups and I actually just got over I did a twenty four hour webinar last week with this one that I'm in and they were they, they brought together all these future forward thinkers and people creating these amazing companies and so I learned from all that. I mean I'm a sponge. One thing I think we should all be more of is sponges. You know, we should learner
0: all... learner would be another one in your
4: Yeah, things. lifelong learner. I you know being curious, I would recommend that for everybody. You know, just learn. We all have all the world's knowledge in the palm of our hands. And now, you know, with our phones, it's like, what do you want to know? Ask it a question, you will find out. You don't have to go to the library anymore or, or you know, wh- whatever. I mean, everything is immediate and you just have to have a curious mindset to move forward in the world. I, I love that. And then and that's, that's the, the
0: thing about have that curious mind and be willing to learn in so many ways. So the country, we talked about people have done this country. Have they monetized any of them that have done their own country? Have they made money? Uh,
4: you know, I don't know. I think they're mostly for fun. That's why I like I really want to move into to I've, I've been fortunate and I've been successful in having a couple of companies that have worked out. And I really want to spend my time and energy giving back and, and doing the right thing. And, you know, my, as with my book, you know, my whole thing, I have this pet peeve that people don't like to change. So I've been grap- grasping for a way to get people to embrace change. You know, I, I wrote my book and, and that's, that's one of the reasons I want to do this is to help people see the future, see a better future, you know, make their life worth living and not be just scared of, of the future and everything that's going on around us. I mean, you know, a lot of people live their lives in the past and, and the future's coming at us so fast that, we just really need to embrace that because that's how you will be successful in the future. The future, the future, and that's
0: and, and embrace the opportunities and different things. So let's talk about the country now. Who what what is the country gonna stand for when you put this together? How are you going to bring this country together, bring people to the country?
4: Well, it's all about change for better. Again, taking my theme from my book, that's that's really been a kind of a, a thing that's been driving me forward. You know, 10 years ago. I, I my life was a mess. And I, I just I had to I had to go through a lot of changes. I've been through a whole decade of stuff, but I came out the other side and there's a lot of joy in that. And I've uh, my life is much, much better. It's it's the life I wanted to lead. But had I not gone through all that pain and at, and of the journey, I wouldn't have got there. So I would like to share that idea and have people come and meet me and meet with me and grow with me on a journey forward where we can all help each other get to that place that we want to go you know it's not a country like full of politics and military and all that stuff in a way it's the anti-country country right because we just want to do what's right and do it together and celebrate the life that there is out there you know celebrate the banquet of life that's what can my like country is called convivia and a convivium is where people celebrate the banquet of life oh. so
0: OK, so so basically wanting to celebrate life, bring the people together. That's based on your book. So that's what you want to do, right? Rudy, bring the people together. that's based on your book.
4: Yeah, the themes, the themes in my book, not necessarily the book. The book is one tool that I would be part of my educational department. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, but, you know, put together events and, and, and meetups and get people to collaborate who are of a similar positive mindset and see what happens. Define that positive mindset, what you're looking for. He said, you said, I'm, I'm going to go back to this whole
0: journey of change, going through the transformation, going through all these things to now you feel better about. What caused you to take that turn 10 years ago to say, oh, my gosh, I can't live like this to where you are today?
4: Well, all the things in life that so many of us face, you know, I mean, I was facing change in my, my relationship, my, my marriage, My business was one of my businesses was not doing well. I had to start another business. So all those things out of necessity, really, you know, I mean, people don't change. There's this phrase. It's uh, people don't change until the pain of being the state. The the, the pain of change is less than the pain of staying the same. Right. So uh, I want to find people who've already really found that mindset and see if we can spread that to others and I have a, a three-word thing that I live by. It's imagine, create, transform. You know, when you imagine something, you create what you imagine, and then you transform the world from your creation. So that's what I want to do with a group. Find a small group of people. It doesn't need to, need to be a million people. It can be a thousand people or a hundred people or whatever. Just as long as there's a good, cohesive group with a solid mindset of that sort of, let's imagine something, let's go create something good, and then let's transform people's lives because of it.
0: Who would you say those people are? Who would be those people that would be part of that community? Because to create and transform and change, I mean, to basically change society, uh, you said these are changemakers. So it's
4: not everyone that could be a changemaker unless you believe everyone could be a changemaker. I think everybody could be a changemaker if they wanted to, but I don't think a lot of people want to. So I'm going to kind of start with people who've already adopted it somewhat and see where that goes. I've been trying to like through my book and whatnot, find people and help people change, but people aren't, are very resistant. For you know? So, yes. yeah. So I'm and more so than I would have imagined. You know, I thought, Hey, here's a solution to help make life better, but it's, it's, it's hasn't been as easy as I thought. So I think I'm going to push more towards people who already kind of get it and build up some momentum that way. And those people already get it, but they still need a community of people to work together to get
0: better even to that level. They stay- Yeah,
4: and there's always more to learn. Like I said, lifelong learning, right? As much as you know, or you think you know about something, you know, we're all, none of us are as strong as all of us, right? So if I can put together a group, I mean, one, I think it would be just super fun to do this. And, And it's an experiment, of course, right? But let's see if I can succeed at this experiment. I think you can. Or just hearing
0: from you, I think you can. And finding people that want to make that, you know, to create something, to create something meaningful that will change society. And that's, that's uh, an undertaking, but everyone can be a change maker. And what would you say to people that are resistant for change right now? They don't. What tips would you provide that you need to make a change especially if you see that there are definitely problems going on in your life right now. Everyone has problems. They have to come up with solutions. Tell them why they need to make a change instead of never problem
4: solving those to to lead to solutions. Right. Well, the first step to anything is awareness. First, be aware and recognize that you have these issues or something that you want to change. You know, there's three kinds of action in the world. There's non-action, which is actually making a choice you're making a choice to do nothing like you just said right and then there's reaction which is constantly living your life reacting to everything that happened in the past you know or there's proaction you can be proactive and say where is it that i want to go where is the future that i want to live in and what are you know there's few, we all have futures of Futures of work, futures of relationships, futures of place where we live, futures of play, futures of all financial future, health future, all these things. So, what is the future that you want? So, identify your goal, and and then be proactive towards going there. Um, There's a thing in business, uh, foresight and backcasting. I I like to use this. Have you ever heard of those terms? Uh So foresight is like, imagine where you want to go, like here, paint that picture for yourself of here's the goal. Here's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Right. And then back it in. It's simple. Just what do I have to do to take start? Imagine yourself there and then back in the steps to get there. It's not one big, giant leap, right? It's probably a thousand little steps. So if you if you kind of back it in, say, well, what do I have to do first? And what do I have to do second? But if you kind of like imagine forward and come back to it, it's a different way of looking at things. So, you know, if you're going to move, I just moved all the way across the country. So, it's so, like, well, where am I going to move? Well, I need to research that. I'm like, okay, I ended up in Florida. So, but I researched it. I go, well, I have criteria. And so I researched it and I figured it out. And if I'm going to do that first, I have to, you know, sell my house. I have to find a house. I have to get myself from here to there there's all those little baby steps which is daunting if you look at it as the big picture but if you break it down into little steps we can all create the positive change that we want at least i believe we can absolutely
0: all right so we've jumped to that conclusion and looked at those 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 particulars let's uh jump to the fact of to join your country, do you have the movement? Do you have a landing page yet to create the country? Or are you so no, it's, it's,
4: it's pretty this is pretty new. I've been thinking about it forever and I'm finally putting it together. I I wrote a blog post. If you want to know about it, it's on my blog, which is at RudyPoe.com. Um, my blog is called my brain and my brain and I it's my brain and I thinking about things and writing them down. So I have a blog post there. Um, I've just written my uh, my citizenship pledge. So that's not quite published yet. But it's all, it's all in the works. It's slow going. It's just me right now. I do have a list of people who said they're interested. Every time I bring this up in a conversation, I go, well, I, I want to do that. I had one guy who says, well, I need to be your minister of coffee and wine. <laughs> it's like, all right. I didn't know I needed a minister of coffee and wine, but we do need coffee and wine. So you have got the job. So you know it's a contributor society right not a volunteer society but a contributor society so yeah. anyway but just email me at rudy at Rudypoe.com dot com and i will respond and i will get you on the list and you can come with me on my journey all right well
0: fantastic appreciate it rudy great information fun i never thought creating a country wow that's something that not many people <laughs> i have a, I have
4: a flag i have a flag already
0: though <laughs> Oh, my. That's the creativity you have, Rudy, this is the change maker. You're willing to make that change. Appreciate you coming by.
4: Appreciate you being having me on the show. Thanks. Nice right. to meet you.
0: You're listening right. and watching the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to Neil Haley show. And, you know, when I think of insp- inspiring people, it's people who are able to overcome adversity. And we have an unbelievable guest today and two great authors. I'm excited first to welcome Scott Kyle. He's the co-author of Via... La vie. Uh, How are you, Scott? And you're going to introduce your daughter, Liv, and I, and I look forward to hearing the story and also learning more about the book. How are you? Thanks, Neil. I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic, Scott. So you, you're who, your, other, your co-author is with you? Yeah. And it's your daughter, Liv, right?
5: My daughter, Liv, all of 12 years old, although she was 11 when she uh, helped write the book. so But she's now a she's 12-year-old now, uh, in middle school in sixth grade.
0: All right. Fabulous. Let's kind of talk about Scott specifically the challenges that Liv has gone through and then you can, and then Liv can kind of expound on that. And we'll talk about the book.
5: Yeah. So Villa Levy is a very interesting character. Um, we don't put too much, um, emphasis on it in the first book, but the second book, we'll talk a bit more about her life challenges, including overcoming brain cancer and how she really used that to her advantage, to, uh, live life to the fullest, um, to use her brain t- for good. And Liv, uh, the real Liv, um, also went through cancer in her case, something called Wilms tumor, uh, around the same time as the as the character in the book, around first grade. Uh, and Liv was an amazing, incredible genius, really, from very early age. Uh, you know, learned to read at age two or three, and do advanced mathematics at age four and five. But I, I think, and I'll let her speak for herself. I think the experience she had, you know, similar to the character via Lavie, really made her. Uh, live life to the fullest. And she's done more in her 12 short years than most people have done in a lifetime. And so uh, I'll let uh, Liv talk as well.
0: All right,
6: fantastic. Yeah, for sure. I think definitely some of the things that I've gone through have helped me um, form my life and become who I am, um, along with the different um, accomplishments that I've had in my life. And I don't think that VLV would be possible without me being who I am today.
0: And I think that's a, such an important thing. Adversity leads us to triumph in so many ways, Scott. And have you been so impressed by Liv, how she was able to overcome and, and survive cancer, and also yet be really such a role model for other children that have gone through the same thing?
5: Yeah, she is such an incredibly strong person, physically and of course, you know, emotionally and spiritually. Um, and not only you know did she uh, go through her ordeal but immediately wanted to give back, literally like while she was still um, getting treatment, she was already creating artwork and having ideas for what she could do for other kids. So since her uh, chemo ended, uh, which was about four years ago, she's been serving as the ambassador to Rady Children's Hospital, which is the main children's hospital here in San Diego that treated her. So she's helped them raise literally probably tens of millions of dollars at this point through various radiothons, Uh, She's uh, donated artwork that she's created that's been auctioned off. She's gone to, um, she was the San Diego Radies Children uh, Child of the Year and presented at Costco at their headquarters. So she's just, um, she's such a giving person and she's given so much back to other kids who are now going through what she went through before. And I'm just, I'm incredibly proud of her. I mean, not only has she done many, many other things in life, like playing chess and learning poker and uh, you know, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. I could go on and on, but it's really her character that's that makes me most proud.
0: Uh, Liv,
6: uh,
0: how do you look at your life and how important it is after what you've overcome?
6: I think that definitely all of my accomplishments, like I said before, have really shaped my character and my personality and um, my ability to do things. And I think I'm more determined now because I know that I've been through so much that I can do anything now. So if I know that I can, I know that I will.
0: So Scott, when did you live? You and Liv decide you're going to co-write these uh, this this book series?
5: Yeah. Um, so I this is my third book. Um, both my parents were authors, and even though as a job. I'm a financial advisor here in La Jolla. Um, I've just had a passion for writing from a young age. And one of my sort of bucket lists uh, to do's was to write a book. So I wrote my first book about 10 years ago. uh, That was a finance book. I then wrote a novel, uh, which was a lot of fun. And then, um, you know, probably three or four years ago, I noticed that Liv also had this incredible passion and gift for both Reading and writing, and, and she was writing her own short stories and just doing a ton of, of different types of art. So um, I had this idea again, was somewhat not based on, but definitely inspired by Liv's life, uh, to write a book about this. I've always liked the idea of sort of like the genius kid, sort of like the genius kid who doesn't show that he or she is a genius, but then you find out in other ways. I think it's kind of a cool concept. So I thought, well, what a great way to combine my love for writing, this idea I had with Liv's emerging talents and passions. And so I approached her with the idea, um, not knowing how she'd respond and she responded favorably. And then about a year and a half later, a lot of hard work. Um, she's also the illustrator of the book as well. So not only did she help to write the book, but she does the illustrations and there's 22 illustrations in the book. Um, we have a, a finished product. And so it's, it's really just a testament to the idea of having a vision in life, working really hard and then having it come to fruition
0: which is uh, un- unbelievable to say the least. Um, so uh, the, what's the feedback been, Scott, so far for the books, the series?
5: Yeah, it's um, we've gotten a, a lot of great response. Uh, for example, at Liv's school here in La Jolla, they're going to um, uh, have it be part of the curriculum. And then I, I think Liv wants to speak to that as well.
6: Um, yeah, so um, I've had a ton of great feedback at my school, a ton of my friends have really, really enjoyed it. Um, it Will soon be at our library, I hope. Um, and yeah, I would love for it to be a part of the curriculum. I'm not sure if that's completely going to happen, but that was one of the ideas that was proposed. Um, I've been a part of the um bulletin in our school, so I got to like do an interview about that. And I just thought it was really cool that I had tons of people supporting me through all of um, this journey of writing.
0: All right, well, f- fantastic. Scott, what is, ultimately, is the series done or are you going to write another book for the series? Yeah,
5: yeah the, the goal is to have multiple books. So the, the first book takes place when Via's in fifth grade, so just finishing grade school, similar to what Liv was last year. She's now in first year middle school. And so the goal is to have you know, a book every year or so, basically following Via and her friends, um, and other characters that are, that are part of the book as well, um, going through middle school and then uh, uh, to, to high school as well and beyond. And so as we were writing the first book, we thought of so many ideas that would be so great for the second book that, w- of course, we couldn't fit everything in the first book. But we basically have in our minds anyway, the second book almost completed. And the way the first book ends, uh, another point of feedback we've gotten is that people literally can't wait for the second book uh, just, because just the way that the kind of the first book ends and set it up and I think Liv has some thoughts as well.
6: Yeah I mean what I love about Via is that like there's just so many different things going on in her life that there are so many different ways that we can take this next book and I have so many great ideas and I've had um my science teacher, actually, because I gave her a copy of the book and she was talking about how she couldn't put it down. And once she finished, she wished that she hadn't and she wished that there was more for her to read. And I just think that's like super awesome that we have tons of different people really invested in the story.
0: All right. Fantastic. Scott, where's the best place to purchase the book? Do you guys have a website?
5: Yeah, so um, it can either be purchased on Amazon or our website, which is ViaLeVeeBooks.com. So ViaLeVee.com which is the main character books, plural, dot com, or of course on Amazon.
0: Well, we appreciate it, Scott and Liv. It's great information. Uh, you're inspiring, Liv, and you can make, a, and definitely you give a lot of people hope, especially when they are diagnosed with cancer to know that they can survive and thrive. And you're definitely doing that, Liv, and congrats to you. And Scott, wow, she's, she's amazing. And uh, thanks for you guys both stopping by.
5: Thank Thank you so much, much, Neil. Have a great day. Take care.
0: You're listening to The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back
2: in just a moment.